at our site for more details. Let's check out this video. Besides that, uh, man, I'm excited. Let's, let's, let me jump in to kind of helping set the scene. Um, the topic is the Holy Spirit over the next three weeks. And I want to tell you a story to help us get started with this. Um, I was in high school and uh, I had grown up with a kid named Sam. He was my best friend. And Sam is a kid that I met at a very young age. We were in trouble from a very young age. I was always the mischievous class clown kid doing stuff to make everybody laugh, having fun, being a goofball. And then, you know, it started, you know, kind of going in a wrong direction. But anyway, I met Sam underneath the stairs at the church because when kids would go up after recess, they'd march up the stairs and then they'd go and learn. And he and I decided we didn't have enough playtime, so we'd hide underneath the stairs. <laughs> and I guess uh, shame on the school, Sunday school teachers, they should have counted the kids because we always skipped. <laughs> And then we would sneak out, and then we'd go play again. And if we got hungry, we knew where the closet was to the chips and to the crackers and the goldfish. So we had this whole thing dialed. We knew how this operation worked. And we were buddies forever and, and, um, through my childhood. And one day in high school, he says, hey, I found a good hunting spot. Let's go rabbit hunting. And I said, great. And we got in his truck, an 85 K5 Blazer. It was red and white. It was an awesome truck. The top could come off. It was like a convertible 4x4, you know. And we're in high school, and we go out on this rabbit hunt, and it's like 5 o'clock in the morning. We're getting out there, and we're supposed to cross this creek, this, like, river thing. And, you know, like, it's like Arkansas is kind of like Arizona. When somebody says a river, they're like, you're going to cross the bridge and see the river, and then you look, and you're like, there's no water down there. And that's everywhere, you know? It's like the Agua Fria River. Where? You know? Uh, so we're going to this river, and there's major water, like four foot of water gushing through. It was a flash flood. And so I say, hey, dude, I guess, you know, we, we can't go back there. And he said, <clears throat> the heavy Chevy can make it through anything. <laughs> And I said, dude, it is like 40 degrees outside. It, like, if we get flooded, we go rage across this raging river, we're probably going to sink your truck. And furthermore, you're probably going back to boarding school because he was on a break and he had been kicked out of school just like I had. And um, he came back and his parents said, if you're good on break and you made good grades and turn in all your assignments, then maybe we'll send you to school back with Ryan. Otherwise, you're going to North Carolina for boarding school. And, and I said, you're probably going to go back to boarding school, you know, like if this goes wrong. And he's like, just come on, get in the truck. So I roll down the windows. He goes, what are you doing? I said, I'm going to swim out of here when this, thing, <laughs> when this thing starts bobbing down the river. And he's like, whatever. And sure enough, he's like, Wah. and then he punches it, thinking like that's going to really help. So he punches it, and then I think we're in a boat, because it's like, oh, 
And he just starts screaming like a girl. Ah! And then he screams, I'm going back to boarding school. And I just start busting out laughing. I'm like, yes, you are. You're going back. And sure enough, we hit a boulder and boom, we stopped. And then and, uh, and the water's pouring in through everywhere. I said, get on top. Let's get on top. You know, we got to get on top of the truck. So we got on top of the truck. He's like, what do we do now? I'm like, you got to jump out. You got to jump in the river and get to the bank, you know. And he's like, why me? I'm like, I don't know. Just go. So he jumps in and then and he finally makes it. He's like, okay, throw, throw my backpack. But it's got to hit the ground because that's all my assignments. I said, don't worry. And I grab it, and I'm like, whoo, whoo. And then it, my, my socks were wet. And then I just went, whoa, and I threw it. And it went shoo, 10 feet short of the shore. And he goes, no, my books. And like a ninja diver, he runs down the shore and then just dives in. And it's 40-degree water. It's 30-degree water. I don't know what it is. And you're like, what is the moral of the story? Here's the moral of the story. Um, I think that we underestimate the Holy Spirit. We are like a young, dumb high school kid, in the great theologian's words, Khalid. And we are like a young, dumb high school kid that approaches life and way underestimates the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. We don't get it. We don't know how powerful it is. The Bible says that the same spirit that raised a dead man named Jesus Christ back from the grave is the same spirit that lives in you. I'm not here today to tell you how you're going to get the Holy Spirit. I'm assuming many of you have made a decision for Jesus Christ. Here's my good news for you is you have the Holy Spirit. But you've underestimated his power and his presence in your life. The third person of the Trinity, his pronouns, I said pronouns, <laughs> is he, him, his. He is not a it, a force. He's not some thing you tap into. Um, the Holy Spirit, did you know in the very beginning of your Bible, He's eternally existed in creation. In Genesis chapter 1, it says that the Holy Spirit, when creation was being made, when the seas were made, the Atlantic, the Pacific, oh, the, when the oceans were made, the, the Holy Spirit was hovering over them like a, like a sign of like a affirmation for the work that Jesus and the Father had done. The Holy Spirit's always existed. And in the context of what we're going to be looking at in John chapter 15, it's the upper room discourse. And the disciples have been basically told, Jesus said like, hey, listen, everybody's going to hate you. Good news. Everybody, if they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. Being associated with me means you're going to get persecuted. But there is good news. The Holy Spirit's going to be with you. Uh, verse 26. But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father will bear witness about me. In other words, the Holy Spirit's going to bear witness about 
Jesus, and then in verse 27, and you also will, it's not an invitation of question or like, hey, would you please? No, and you will bear witness too, because you have been with me from the beginning. So let me, let me remind you who's in the room just for a second. There's some guys in the room, and these guys are going to change the whole world. You've got Peter who's in the room, and Peter is a man who's filled with a lot of fear and insecurity. He's indecisive. In fact, he didn't even get to Jesus by his own accord. His brother said, you got to come, Andrew. But Peter, his life is going to be transformed from fear to faith because of the work of the Holy Spirit. Peter's life is going to be so impacted with the power of the Holy Spirit that he will go to martyrdom and be crucified. And he says, I want to be crucified upside down because it's not worthy to be crucified in the same manner that Jesus is. The people that are in the room, their lives have been transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Moving people from fear insecurity to incredible faith and courage. Peter's in the room. Andrew's in the room. James the Greater, uh, son, uh, the son of Zebedee is James the Greater. There's John, the son of Zebedee. And by the way, these guys are nicknamed like this wrestling term Jesus assigned to them. He calls them the sons of thunder. You, how many of you guys like wrestling? Just come on, be brave. There you go. Hulk Hogan was the man, Andre the Giant. These guys are the sons of thunder, okay? They're bigger and badder than them. They had attitude too, though. On one occasion when Jesus is doing ministry, he's like, okay, they're rejecting me. And they're like, hey, let's see if we can call down some fire on those dudes, Jesus. Jesus is like, no, time out. No, we're not calling down fire on them, okay? Um, so they get the nickname Sons of the... Those are the guys that are in the room. There's Philip, there's Bartholomew, there's Matthew, there's uh, a.k.a. Levi, there's James the Less, Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot. He's a, basically a nationalist, a patriot. Um, and then there's Thomas, Doubting Thomas. These are the guys in the room. And these are the guys, they're, because they were in the room, you're in the room. Because they were there and they heard Jesus and they believed Jesus and they really accepted this message about the Holy Spirit, you're here. The church is here because these people were empowered by the Holy Spirit. I think that Christians tend to live on two extremes. One is, is all spirit. Woo, hallelujah, praise the Lord. You're sick, cast that out in the name of Jesus. And then you got people over here, and these people aren't all spirit. These people are all truth. Well, according to the Bible, it says, um, well, no, I'm not going to help them. I'm busy studying the Bible. And they're totally jacked up on truth, but there's no really heart transformation. They're legalists. So what does Jesus say? There is a time that is coming, John chapter 4, the woman at the well, when believers will worship in spirit and in, let's try that again, in spirit and in, 
There you go. All right. I think when I set the coffee setting this morning, sweetie, it hit the espresso button. <laughs> I hit the little button. <laughs> so, um, spirit and truth, and that's who's in the room. And I, I want to read to you this quote. When I first came to faith in Christ, I worked for this carpenter guy. His name was Mike Page, and he loved Jesus Christ. And he came to faith in Christ during the hippie movement. So if like you're in your 60s or 70s, you know the hippie movement turned into like the Jesus movement. And then guess what? A lot of those baby boomers discipled Gen X guys like me. And it's changed my life. Mike Page, I worked for him. I was a terrible employee. He was an incredible craftsman. One occasion he told me, he goes, Ryan, I want you to go upstairs and we're going to paint a room. Just, just one. We're going to paint a room. And I said, oh, cool, Mike. Yeah, and I just come to faith in Christ out of the party scene. And I said, cool, I got it, man. Don't you worry. I go upstairs, and I prep the entire upstairs. And I took every light fixture off, every little switch plate. I taped every room and came back like three, four hours later. Mike said, where you been, man? I told you to prep a room. I said, Mike, I got it. I prepped the whole upstairs. He said, you're wasting my time. <laughs> you're... You're a terrible employee. And I said, I know. I should be paying you. And I said, in fact, Mike, I'm here today and I'm working with you because you know a lot about spirit and you know about truth and your life has changed. And he said, let me tell you a lesson about the spirit and truth. And here's what he said. He said, Ryan, if you get, and I wrote this down, if you get too much of the spirit in your life, you're going to blow up. He said, but if you get too much of the truth in your life, you're going to dry up. But if you get the spirit and the truth, you're going to grow up. <laughs> and that meant a lot to me. Because what I see is extremists of believers are like all about the spirit, but they dismiss the word of God. Amen? Then you see the word of God people who, who act like the Holy Spirit doesn't even exist. And they won't lean anything to the Holy Spirit. They're like, well, it doesn't say it in the Bible. So, yeah. And you're like, man, I don't know. So what is the right understanding of the Holy Spirit? I would say this is when I say spirit, I'm not saying, hey, you got the spirit. Like enthusiasm. I'm not saying like, that's the spirit. I'm not trying to get after that. I'm saying it, when we say spirit, it's pneuma. Everybody say pneuma where you get the word pneumatic, like air guns, or spray gun. I've got sound effects this morning. <laughs> Who is the Holy Spirit? He is God. He is not, a, he is, he is not man. He is spirit. Um, he's always existed. Genesis 1, he convicts, he guides, he, he, he permanently indwells you. As a believer in Jesus Christ, he permanently, he's inside of you. This is cool. 2 Corinthians 3.16. Do you not know that you are God's temple? That the Holy Spirit dwells, hangs out, abides, hanging out with you. You are not your own. You were bought for a price. The Holy Spirit dwells within you. Amen? Amen? That's good news. Um, church history. 
the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The Nicene Creed says, The Lord and the giver of life who proceedeth from the Father and the Son with the Father, the Son together, is worshipped and glorified. The Athanasian Creed says, The Holy Ghost is of the Father and of the Son, neither made nor created nor begotten, but proceeding. How do you get the Holy Spirit? My Mormon friends tell me that the way you get the Holy Spirit is that you got to go to the Mormon church and you get a priest who can pray for you and he must lay hands on you. That's how you get the Holy Spirit. And then the priest has to baptize you and that's how you get the Holy Spirit. My Catholic friends... They say to me, well, the way you get the Holy Spirit is you've got to be involved in the sacraments. You've got to have the communion. You've got to do the confession. And it has to be in the corporate setting. That's where the Holy Spirit is. Here's what I want to tell you. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit personally, individually, and corporately indwells. I believe that the work of the Holy Spirit, his primary job is to manifest the presence of God individually in every single one of you, manifest the presence of God in your life, and guess what? Corporately through the whole church. So there's something special that happens when you're at church where you can feel the Holy Spirit in a newer way because the Holy Spirit's like, yes, they're all here. And it amplifies. That's what's happening. But the Holy Spirit's with you when you get in the car. The Holy Spirit's with you when you're sick in your bed. The Holy Spirit's with you when you go to the mountain. The Holy Spirit's when you're there and you're in the valley. The Holy Spirit was there in the divorce. The Holy Spirit was there when you were sick, when you were hurting, when you were in denial. And guess what? You've been sealed. You don't... Leak. You don't like, the Holy Spirit's not like, you're too bad. I'm getting out of here. Jesus, help them. Forgive them more. Uh, You're permanently filled with the Holy Spirit. Names of the Holy Spirit. Comforter, advocate, helper, spirit of truth, spirit of God, spirit of Christ, spirit of the Lord, spirit of life, spirit of wisdom, the breath of the Almighty. I thought that was a funny one. the breath of the Almighty, like, wow. It reminds me, we train our guest services team. We say, hey, listen, you're going to be sharing the word of life this morning with some people. Make sure you don't do it with the breath of death. You know, take a tic-tac in the name of Jesus. Um, the breath of the Almighty, that's another one. So let me walk through the passage with you. You've got a Bible, open it up. First uh, John, or not First John, the Gospel of John chapter 15. There's several Uh, words I want to point out. The helper, um, he says, I will send to you. It's the spirit of truth. He will bear witness about me and you also will bear witness. There is the word, the helper. This is good news. The word, the helper, is parakletos in the Greek. I didn't say parakeet. Uh, My mom has a parakeet and I opened the cage the other day when I went home to try to catch it. She says, don't do that. You'll give the parakeet a heart attack. I was like, okay, all right, I'll leave it alone. Has nothing to do with the sermon. I'm very sorry. (laughs) Um, 
But parakletos, you'll probably remember the word parakletos. What does it mean? It's, it's actually where we get the, the word paralegal. Um, and it, what it means is somebody who comes alongside of you. So I praise Jesus for this. This is what's made my life different. Someone has come alongside of me from a very young age. And when I was running from God and I didn't know God, I believe that the Holy Spirit was still there working on me, basically going, you're an idiot. You need Jesus. They're real. You're not. That was the Holy Spirit convicting people of sin like he did me. But then when I became a believer, the Holy Spirit's inside of me and saying, you've been forgiven. You're loved. No, the evil one can't touch you. You're mine. You're with me forever. Keep going. That's the Holy Spirit. He's a helper. He comes alongside of you. Some of you as Christians, you've had maybe somebody older in the faith, and I pray we see more of this, is that uh, older men in the faith invest into younger men. But if you're a young guy and you had somebody kind of come alongside you and coach you and love you, that's the helper role. It's the Holy Spirit role coming alongside. It's the spirit of truth, too. It's uh, the word spirit is pneuma again. You know that. And it's the spirit of truth. That's what it says in the text. And that truth is aletha or aletheia in the Greek. And it means a, a genuine, a very realness. It's very authentic. So it's the spirit, which it's not a man. He is not a man. Uh, he is God. He's spirit, the Holy Spirit. But he's the spirit of truth. And what does that mean? Well, it's the same word that Jesus uses when he says, I am the way and the truth, and the life. It's the same word that Jesus said to the woman at the well, God is spirit, and those who worship him, worship him in spirit and in, help me out, truth. The spirit of God is in you. He's the spirit of truth. He's the comforter. He's the advocate. He's in you. You don't have to get him. You don't have to hear my message to get it. If you've confessed with your mouth and you believe in your heart, you will be saved. You got the Holy Spirit. But we're like that young, dumb high school kid. We're like, ah, it's, I don't know. It's not. It's not. Bob, oh, oh. You just underestimated it. Um, he's the spirit of truth in a generation of post-truth culture. You need the spirit of truth to guide you, counsel you, navigate you, give you the wisdom of what to say, how to act, how, what to do. Recently, we had one of our college students uh, at his job. Basically, uh, he got in big trouble the other day. He's talking to this guy. He's like, hey, bro, hand me that. And the guy says, you know, uh, you need a, corre a correction. And my pronouns are she, her. And he's like, what? Whatever, bro. And then basically fired him for saying that. We live in a post-truth culture world. It doesn't matter how logical something is. We live in a culture where truth doesn't matter. And you have as a believer, oh my goodness, what a responsibility. You have the spirit of truth 
in you. So what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to bear witness about him. That's what the scripture says. And he will bear witness about me. The Holy Spirit's going to bear witness about Jesus. And the Holy Spirit does this. But also you're to bear witness about Jesus. So follow the lead of the Holy Spirit. This is perhaps why the Apostle Paul says, keep in step with the Holy Spirit. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, he says, you keep in step with the Holy Spirit. Well, why? Because the Holy Spirit, his job is to amplify the message in the name of Jesus. To the lost person, the Holy Spirit's like, hey, maybe you need church. Hey, what you're doing is real stupid. To the believer, the Holy Spirit's like, Jesus is good. Talk about him. The Holy Spirit testified about Jesus at the baptism. The dove comes down approving Jesus' work and the ministry and the miracles of Jesus. The Holy Spirit's there through Jesus. At the transfiguration, the Holy Spirit's there. Uh, when Jesus is transfigured, uh, there's Peter, James, and John are all standing there and a voice cries out from heaven saying, this is my beloved son. The Holy Spirit was moving then. And then the Holy Spirit was there when Jesus sends out the 72. The Bible tells us that Jesus is filled with joy from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit bears witness about Jesus. The Holy Spirit wants to tell people about Jesus. The Holy Spirit wants to use you and 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 you. All of you. He wants to use you all. So what, that's what Jesus says. Look what he says. And you also will bear witness. Amen? He didn't say, please bear witness about me. He didn't say, would you please? He says, you will. You will. This is a command. It's not a question mark. It's not a comma. You will. This is what you're going to do. What is a witness? And those guys got it. They died a martyr's, they died a martyr's death. The 11 that were in that room, they died for their faith. We need to be strong. We need to be courageous. We need to be people that are filled with the Spirit of God. The Bible says He doesn't give us a spirit of fear and timidity, but a, pure, a, a power of self-discipline and filled with the Holy Spirit. So the Greek word is witness, is to witness, to testify. It means to give account for what you saw. How many of you have ever been in an accident before and the police show up and they're like, is there any witnesses? Raise your hand. A couple of you, a bunch of you, Okay. About a year and a half ago, I was driving with my truck. I had a beautiful Tacoma that I had built up. And uh, my wife and I are on our way to Lake Pleasant, and we're headed out 74 west. And we're going about 65 miles an hour, 60, 65. And my wife's riding shotgun, and um, her girlfriend's in the back, and we were going out to do some target practice. And we're moving, and I thank God I didn't have my puppy dog with me that day. And uh, we're driving, and this girl comes out of New River Road. Instead of stopping at the stop sign, she decides, let's just roll on through it. And I'm, here I come, and she T-bones right into us. And that sends us into a full-on spin at 65 miles an hour into oncoming traffic in my jacked-up Tacoma. And I can feel the truck tires blow out. And I can feel the truck starting to reel like it's about to flip and roll. And I pray in a moment, Lord Jesus, this is not the day. Don't take my wife. <laughs> Protect us. And we're going. 
And then I see the trucks coming right at us, and I'm thinking, this is not the moment I'm going to lose my wife because she's right there facing all the traffic. And the trucks are coming, and I'm looking through the window, and they're just screaming down the highway. And I'm like, Lord, thank you, thank you. And I, everything stopped, and it was like everything went in slow-mo. I don't know if you've ever been in an accident. It's like, how does the brain do that? Like, we were going so fast, but it felt like I was going one mile per hour. <laughs> and so then we stopped, and I get out of the vehicle, and it's all torn up. And I look at her, and I say, you okay? You okay? She says, I'm okay. I go to the back. I say, hey, are you okay? To the girl in the back, I'm okay. I'm okay. I go, oh, Lord. And I look at the car that we smashed, or she smashed us. And the entire hood is ripped off. There's, no, there's only window and back seat. Everything is gone. It's gone. And I look at her, and I'm thinking, she's got to be dead. And I go up, and I you okay? She said, I'm okay. I said, wow, okay. And they're passing her, you okay? Yeah, I'm okay. I go, whoo. And then I turned around, and I hadn't cried yet. And I turned around, and I looked at my truck, and I go, oh. <laughs> my wife said, you totally only cried when you saw my, your truck. And I said, you saw the priority. I checked you first. <laughs> and then... I was flabbergasted. I'm standing at 74, like, and these idiots are driving by on Instagram, doing the Instagram thing. I, you used to probably remember it was like a famous trend. They were like drunk, like, yeah, get out of the road. I'm like, if I was not a Christian, I'd be throwing rocks at you. <laughs> Thankfully, this other guy got in the way. He was like, get out of here, you idiots. You know? I was like, yeah, good, thank you. Um, why do I say that? The police showed up, and they say this. Are there any witnesses? Yeah, this is what happened. Okay, I need another witness. Are you a witness? Yeah, come here. What did you see? Well, this is what happened. This girl did this. He did that. I saw the whole thing. The girl didn't. She didn't stop. He was just driving. Okay, I need another witness. Okay, well, this is what we saw. This is, this, this is what we saw. This, he was driving. She just ran the stop sign. They just started spinning around. Okay. We need another witness. They get like five witnesses. He comes back to me. He goes, there's nothing to do here. Everything, every story is, it's fine. Right, she ran it. You're innocent. What do I say that? You're a witness. That's all you got to do. <laughs> all you got to do is tell people what you've seen Jesus do in your life. That's your job. I didn't give you that order. Jesus did. John chapter 17, the message that was for the guys in the room wasn't just for the guys in the room, it's for the guys and the gals sitting here today. John chapter 17, my prayer is, is not only these people here, but every person that would ever believe would, would follow this teaching. You are a witness. What you got to do is tell people what you've seen Jesus do. You got to tell them this is how Jesus Christ is impacting my life. I gave you a sticker for our church. Put it on your truck or your snowboard or your water bottle or whatever you want to do. And some of you don't want to do it, probably because you speed. <laughs> That's not witnessing, though. Witnessing is when you talk about Jesus. What does it say? You will bear witness... About me. That, look in your Bible. You will bear witness about me. Not about Pastor Ryan. Not about the church. Not about the sacraments. You're going to bear witness about me. 
This is what I've seen Jesus do. When somebody asks you about faith, man, let me tell you what Jesus has done in my life. What we often do is we try to bear witness about something else. Like, man, that was really cool. The church is amazing. That's awesome. You know, great preacher. He's funny. Ha <laughs> ha. Uh, music's good. You know, uh, outside they got burritos. You know, it's amazing. Okay, good. Guess what? The Holy Spirit's not energized by that as much as he is when you start saying, I feel Jesus Christ, his presence, and he's changed my life, and he's working in my life. I'm so amazed by Jesus. The Holy Spirit's like, yes. That's what we're supposed to do. The job of the Holy Spirit is to manifest the presence of God in and through the world, through you, the church. Corporately, in this room, but privately and individually and everywhere you go. Uh, the other day, I was out dog training, and I got a bird dog. And I was working with one of these guys. He's like the, you know, you see, you see the horse whisperers. This guy's the dog whisperer. He's amazing. Hot training him, and I love what I do. I get to work at, uh, with another nonprofit. It's a, not a Christian one. It's called Arizona Quail Today. And uh, I work with a lot of non-believers all the time. And we were out dog training at the end of the day. He goes, man, I got to go in 15 minutes, but I got a question for you. Tell me about tell me about Jesus and how he's different from everybody else because my girlfriend keeps talking about him. And I said, I don't know if 15 minutes is going to work, buddy. But I'll tell you what I know. This is what Jesus has done in my life. And I studied Buddha, Muhammad, Gandhi, and all these guys, and nobody's like Jesus. And like two hours later, he's like, bro, I got to go. And I'm like, you asked the question. You could have gone anytime you wanted <laughs> you got to talk about Jesus. So what's the outline for us? It's this. Number one, we're sent into the world to be a witness. You're sent into the world. Your job is not to go do the holy huddle. Your job is not to build a bunker and to hide from the world. Your job is not to become a monk or a nun and go retreat and isolate. That's not your job. Your job is actually to go into the world. That's your job. Whatever happens Monday, hallelujah, the Holy Spirit's there with you, and you, that's your job. Go be a witness. As a teacher, as a mom, as a dad, as a whatever job occupation you have, the Holy Spirit's like, yes, I'm with you. You're to be a power, empowered into the world. That's the context of this whole discussion. You're to be a witness. You're to share about what you've seen Jesus do in the world. You have an individual responsibility as an individual. You, the Bible says that these disciples in Acts chapter 1, they would receive power and the Holy Spirit would come upon them and they would be a witness in Jerusalem, Judea, the Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And you're to do this corporately as well. Ephesians chapter 3 says that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known. That it's this church, it's the ecclesia, like there's power in presence in the assemblies, in the gathering. And you're, you're, the church is the vehicle in which it's to be used. And there are two things that really help us to be a witness as a church. And it's number one, it's the way you love one another. According to John chapter 13, Jesus says, A new commandment I give to you. And the way you love one another. And by the way, all people will know that you're my disciples. By the way, you help me out. Love. 
whole world will know. The corporate power and presence of Christ, the Holy Spirit working through the church is the way you love people. You love the guy who wants pronouns that don't even fit him. You got to figure out how to love them. You love the people that make you mad. You, you love them. It doesn't mean you got to like them, but you got to love them. But the way you love one another, the church don't fight over stupid stuff in this church. It's our witness. John chapter 13. How do we do that? We stay united. We love well. Another one is unity is preserved. According to John 17, he says this later. Truly, uh, they, uh, my prayer is that they all may be one, unified, so that the world will believe. The context for the missionary movement of the Christian and the reason for the Holy Spirit is that we're to be empowered together to make a difference in the world around us. Amen? Um, you're to go into the world. In the midst of wolves is what the scripture says. To the unbelieving, to the unchurched, to the unreached. This is all what we're supposed to do. And our object is to share about Jesus. He says, it's about me. It's about me. It's about me. It's about me. So our job is not to tote a really good sermon or a pastor, but it's to talk about Jesus. That's where the Holy Spirit's trying to get you to talk about. Some of you, when you talk about Jesus, it's like you think something happened. You're like, ah, not Jesus. You don't like want to say it. The Holy Spirit's like, please, unlock that mouth and talk about Jesus. That's his job. It's your job, too. And the Paul says, keep in step with that Holy Spirit. So we must share with others about Jesus. You've got to open your mouth. You don't have to be a pro. You don't have to say, well, according to the Nicene Creed, the Spirit proceedeth from the Father. And according to the Athanasian Creed, Pastor Ryan quoted that, um, it's from the Father and the Son. Yes, good. Hallelujah. You know something. Um, just say this, man, Jesus Christ has been changing my life. Jesus is so different than everybody else. I find Jesus Christ through the scriptures. That's what the Holy Spirit's like. Yes, yes. Yes. Number three, I would just say this, is that we're empowered by the Holy Spirit. You're just empowered by Him. You know, you got a phone, I don't know, and you make sure this thing is charged, but do you make sure your soul is charged? I was in the San Carlos wilderness area, and I had plans, all these people were going to show up, and they didn't show up, and it didn't work out, and then I had plans, I was going to bag a bunch of birds, and it's going for the Grand Slam, Gamble's Quail, Mern's Quail, and Scaled Quail, and nothing was working out, and I was a little sad, and I got in my camper, and I'm like laying there, and I'm like, I'm going to listen to some worship music, and I don't like listening to, I didn't want to listen to their everyday worship music, because I'm like a pastor, I grew up, at, you know, or, I mean, I've been in this church for a while, and I'll listen to, I like country faith. Apple Music, Country Faith, listen to that. I'm laying there, and it felt like two hours passed by in about ten minutes. And the Holy Spirit met with me in a fresh way, encouraged me so much. 
And I walked out of there with incredible joy and went to bed like a baby and woke up the next day and praise the Lord, hallelujah, I got the grand slam. <laughs> I think the spirit was like, I'm going to bless you. Don't you worry. <laughs> um, I just pray you meet with the Holy Spirit more. He's in you and he works in you. You do need to keep in step with him. According to Ephesians, the Bible says you can be filled with him. You're already sealed, but you can be filled up with a fresher power. But the reason for the Holy Spirit is not just to make you happy. It's to, to help make you make a difference. Let me close with the story. I'll invite the worship team up. Um, when I was uh, younger, in, as a college student, I decided to go down. I thought I, if, my, if I could figure it out how to get to Baylor University, I'd get there, and it never worked out. Um, we didn't have enough money, and my parents didn't want to pay out-of-state tuition. But wanted to be down there because my friends' lives had changed. Jesus had changed their lives, and I really wanted to be around Christians that were serving Jesus. And many of them went on to be missionaries and church planners, and it was a really incredible experience. Uh, but upon getting there, one of my friends handed me a Bible, and then he handed me Systematic Theology from Wayne Grudem. It's like a book that's this big. And he's like, read this. And I'm like, you know what? Yeah, I want to read it. So I studied the Holy Spirit for like five weeks. And I was in John chapter 14, 15, 16, and 17. And I was on the, like studying the Holy Spirit for five or six weeks. And one morning I was like, Lord, just give me a special assignment. <laughs> what do you, if you want me to do something, I'm reading this Holy Spirit business and it's pretty cool. And maybe there's something I'm missing. Just what do I need to do? And I felt like the Lord said, your sister is very discouraged. She's up in St. Louis. Her husband's deployed. Send her some flowers. I was like, well, that's easy enough. And then I checked my bank account, and I'm like, that's not going to work. And I found a cheap flower shop, and I called them up, and I said, hey, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to put on it, but this is for my sister. She's going through a hard time. And she said, well, you should just write something nice. And I said, well, I'm thinking. And she said, well... Just put something that you think would, she would like. And I said, okay, Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. I said, trust in the Lord. Are you getting this? Trust in the Lord. Are you writing this down? Yeah. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. He'll make your path straight. Put that. And she started crying. And she started bawling. And I was like, are you okay? She said, that's my life verse. And I told the Lord this morning, I'd just been through a divorce, and I told him I'm leaving the faith because I don't believe anymore. And she said, and you called me today on the day I'm walking away from Jesus. And you called me and you quoted word for word my life verse my dad dedicated to me as a little girl. I just said, it's the Lord. It's the Lord. Sometimes you have a plan A and you're just trying to do what you think is the right thing to do and God's going to go, hey, it's not only plan A, I got a plan B for you and it's going to be great. So how do you be a witness for the Lord Jesus? You just do what's the right thing to do and you start talking about it. That's it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that each man and woman here, young person and old, they would see that they are not out of the game, that you got a lot of work to do. 
and you want them to be a part of it. I pray for each person here, maybe even those that aren't sure if they're saved, Lord, that they would place their faith in you. Simply believe that, Jesus, you are the Lord. They would confess their sins and say, save me. I believe in you, Jesus. And Father, now as we enter into this time of communion, we ask for your special presence to encourage us, to lift us up. Might we remember the work that you've done and the blessing and the love that we experience through you.